Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the Old Testament book of Daniel. We are currently in chapter 9 at verse 27. Hello, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. For the sake of the context of verse 27, let's start reading in verse 24 of chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, where it says this. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then, after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So this last paragraph, if you want to call it that, of uh, chapter 9, is a timetable, a timetable that Gabriel is revealing to Daniel about what is going to take place after the first uh, 70 years in captivity uh, have finally elapsed and the people are allowed to go back into the land. But this timetable actually begins not with the people going back to the land and not with the construction of the temple, but this uh, has a has a beginning point at the building of the walls of Jerusalem, and then it has a certain marker, a main marker, at uh, at the um, at the Messiah, the Prince, coming on the scene, presenting himself. We believe officially to the nation of Israel as the Messiah, as uh, as he did so, and, uh, and and of course we associate that with the the prophecy that uh, Zechariah said about about. Uh, coming in riding on a donkey and and uh, that was Jesus's prese- presentation of himself as the Messiah to the officials of the city of Jerusalem and to the people themselves and um, and the officials inside the city and especially the Sanhedrin and others so that uh, this um, marker was the end point of the first uh, uh, seven weeks and 62 weeks. And of course, we've uh, gone to a great amount of length in uh, previous episodes describing that these weeks here in this passage, in this context of Daniel chapter 9, are weeks of years. That means uh, seven times seven uh, uh, years, and then um, the uh, next one is 62 times 7, and that total is 69 weeks of years. That's 483 years worth of history that is now pre 
written with the Messiah presenting himself as the Messiah to the city of Jerusalem. And so uh, then uh, there is this this gap, you might say, this uh, pause that happens once that he has presented himself and there is no reception. In fact, there is a rejection of him and his claims as the Messiah. And it says here that sometime after that point, he is cut off and has nothing. That means the Messiah is completely rejected, and uh, he he is, in this case, uh, it, this describes a violent end, and that he is not allowed in, to be uh, the, uh, the king or allowed to sit on David's throne, which he's qualified to, uh, uh, to reign there. He's qualified to inherit uh, the house of David and the, 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 uh, the throne of David that has been promised to David, and he's a descendant of David in uh, many different ways, uh, through his mother and his father, we believe. And so when it says that uh, that it will be built again. This is the this is the construction work on the uh, on the walls of the temple. Uh, that is the walls of the city. Excuse me. And that, of course, was done by Nehemiah, or at least it was uh, begun by Nehemiah. Now, now the walls were completed in a relatively short amount of time. It may have actually taken a little bit longer to to construct the rest of the city and set it up uh, properly. But uh, that's what he uh, is getting at here in verse 26. But then, uh, so that means that that it says the Messiah is cut off, uh, and during this gap or during this uh, period of time that isn't uh, calculated as a part of the timetable itself. And, and And so the Messiah is cut off, and it says, and the prince that is the people of the prince who is to come. That's a different prince, and it's a people of a different sort. <laughs> that means these are the people of this future prince, and we're going to get to that future prince here in verse 27. But what this means is that uh, the the um, the city of Jerusalem will be destroyed. The tabernacle, that is the uh, temple, will be destroyed. The holy of holies will be destroyed. It will be dismantled. Jesus himself actually predicted that it would take place that way, that they would take one stone uh, uh, away from each other, and they will dismantle the whole temple. And uh, and that's exactly what happened happened in AD 70 when Titus and the Roman uh, army uh, came in to Jerusalem and uh, took over and they dismantled the temple when they did so. And that was exactly what took place. Notice that these two main events that Gabriel talks about in verse 26 did not um, uh, were, were not calculated as part of the timetable. Uh, that the first part of the timetable has already ticked off, you might say, and that means the Messiah presented himself, but he was rejected. So these two events create a sort of pause or sort of a, a parenthesis, you might say, at least that long for uh, the Messiah uh, to be cut off and for the uh, uh, the city to be destroyed, the temple to be dismantled. And and completely dis, uh, in disarray. And so, so it is done by the people. That Who are these people? Well, it was the Roman Empire that destroyed the city and the sanctuary. And so there is a future um, 
uh, leader of the Roman Empire who will rise to the surface that will complete this final seven-year period. And that's what we find ourselves in verse 27. These two events are sort of like a parenthesis. And of course, we know about other events now that we look back on it. Uh, we know about events that uh, uh, Daniel wasn't given any revelation about. Uh, events such as uh, Jesus's death on the cross itself was the way he was cut off. But uh, but Gabriel gave no hint about the resurrection. He gave no hint about the ascension back to heaven. He gave no hint about uh, the Holy Spirit being sent to inhabit the church. Uh, there was none of that revealed here, just the, the hint at the fact that there would be this pause button. There would be this, this one uh, uh, period of time in which, which has, uh, the 483 years has ticked off already, but the last seven years haven't even begun yet. And of course, we know that that pause button has been held down now for a long, long time. And although Daniel hinted at it here by the way he describes these two precise events as taking place after the first 69 weeks of years and before the last seven-year period. But then verse 27 describes that seven-year period. And it says, and he, now that that is a small he. In other words, that uh, uh, it's not written in uppercase, it's written in a lowercase he, just as the prince in verse 26 is written in the lowercase uh, p. And that means the prince is is the one that comes out of the people who destroyed the city and the sanctuary. You need to make that connection, otherwise uh, you'll you'll start uh, 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 veering off into all sorts of other theories. You got to look at the language and look at the way that the that this is put together in a very precise way, so that when he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, he's talking about this this uh, this prince that isn't the Messiah, but he comes from the people group that destroyed the city and the sanctuary. Now we can look back on that and say, ah, it was the Romans that destroyed the city and the sanctuary, so this prince that isn't the Messiah will make this firm covenant for a week. That will start the last seven-year period. That's where we get this last seven years, is from Daniel. And uh, and otherwise, we wouldn't know how to calculate what's, uh, uh, what's coming about. And some people try to put uh, this seven-year period uh, someplace around maybe Jesus's death on the cross. But the, the things that is described in this verse that, uh, that uh, uh, are to take place during that seven-year period didn't take place uh, when Jesus died on the cross. By the way, it didn't take place when the Romans took over the city and the sanctuary and destroyed it. Uh, by the way, uh, people try to fit uh, this uh, seven-year uh, period into that uh, uh, timetable as well, that uh, somehow the Romans destroying the city and the sanctuary, well, that was tribulation. That was difficult times for the Jewish people. Well, it was. It was very tragic, and it was very violent, and it was very brutal. And, and, uh, and yet, 
it didn't happen the way that Daniel is being given here by Gabriel of what was to take place during that last seven-year period. And so it's it's completely uh, uh, off base to try to fit that into the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Now, so, uh, uh, and by the way, uh, you see, um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the city and the sanctuary when he took over for the Babylonian Empire. But you see, the language that is used here in verse tw- 27 isn't the kind of language that was used for Nebuchadnezzar. That was a destruction. Destruction is one thing. Destruction is what happened when the Romans destroyed and dismantled the temple and the uh, city of Jerusalem. But you see, here it says he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. So that begins it. That starts this final seven-year period when he makes this covenant. And this is the same person that's talked about earlier in chapter 7 and verse 20. And he's talked about as being a small horn or a little horn, actually, that... uh, that utters great boasts and and uh, which is larger in in his appearance than any of his associates, and he uproots three of the other horns, and he comes out of the Roman Empire. That's who he's talking about, and he says he will make this covenant. By the way, this this is a firm covenant. That that implies not only is it strong, it may actually refer to the fact that the covenant is a strong-armed treaty. In other words, he forces himself into this situation and forces forces the Jewish people to make this treaty. Well, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and we'll come back right here at this uh, portion of Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. We'll see you after the musical interlude. So welcome back, and uh, we are in the middle of verse 27, where uh, this uh, future leader of the Roman Empire makes this covenant for seven-year period with the Jewish people. Now, notice it says, with the many, which is a fascinating way in which uh, this is written to describe it as the many. And this refers back, of course, to the context in verse 24 of chapter 9, where it talks about this is this 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. And so this is the people of Daniel. Daniel's people were the Jewish people. And so we have this future Roman leader who takes control of the situation through whatever means necessary and uh, and establishes this treaty uh, with the Jewish people, with the many. Well, that refers to the fact that, uh, that the Jewish people at, at this point... Uh, 
does, they don't have a king. They, uh, now, they may have a prime minister, but think about this for a moment. Uh, their prime minister is actually a, a product or an office uh, as a result of, of a democratic type uh, of government or a democratic type of selection of the prime minister, at least in the process of, of its work. So in some regards, this is very precise that this future Roman leader will make a treaty with the majority. That's exactly what the democratic process is about. Now, there may be a single person's signature, but that person's signature represents the majority because the process was done in a democratic method or a representative method. And so, I believe that verse 27 is that precise of predicting something that is constructed later that would never have been thought of in Daniel's time or even in hundreds of years after Daniel's time. But now we might be able to see it clearly why he uses this particular term. And so, it uh, it says, but in the middle of the week, again, he's talking about not a week of days, he's talking about a week of years. That means after three and a half years, this future Roman leader from some dimension of the Roman Empire, he will make this treaty. And this treaty is firm because it's strong, but it may be also because he has he has forced his way into this uh, treaty and uh, and forced the Jewish people into this treaty through perhaps some sort of subterfuge or maybe just strong-armed and manipulated himself into this situation, or uh, maybe perhaps through tyranny and extortion or just downright trickery that, uh, that uh, he established himself over the nation of Israel and uh, uh, as a part not only of their political structure, but also evidently of their religious structure. Look at this. In the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and great offerings. Evidently, between the time that uh, that the Romans destroyed the city and the sanctuary. You see, that was in verse 26. Sometime between that time and this time here in the middle of the week, somewhere the Jewish people re-erected uh, re the temple or at least a tabernacle or something of a, of a, of a structure of some sort, maybe just a tent, and, uh, and established a holy place, established a, a holy of holy. And uh, th that's what this guy does. He goes in, and uh, you see, they've they've somehow reestablished a priesthood, reestablished a worship center as the Jewish people. This is something that hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened since AD seventy, and uh, now this particular Roman uh, leader of the Roman Empire, at least a resurrected, uh, a revived Roman Empire of some shape or form, and uh, this. Roman leader, uh, dictator, uh, orchestrates this covenant, orchestrates this treaty for a seven-year period with the majority of the Jewish people, and he does so in such a way that in the middle of this seven-year period, after three and a half years, and there's three and a half years uh, still left to go in the second half of that uh, week of years, it says that he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings. Now, this doesn't refer to Jesus dying on the cross. This refers to this tyrant 
coming in and disrupting the Jewish worship. And he does so uh, with, with a flagrancy. And uh, he, he doesn't just make it illegal, he stops it. And um, notice it says, and on the wing of abomination, and that word that word wing uh, actually means uh, something like pinnacle or the nth degree. And that's, uh, that's what he does. And so after three and a half years, he uh, makes an abomination. This is something different than destruction. This is uh, not just decimating the temple. This is a temple that already is exist- existing again, and he desecrates it. He uh, commits an abomination, an idolatry that includes himself as being the God uh, of the Holy of Holies. And that is exactly a duplication of what uh, Antiochus Epiphanes um, did through the uh, uh, out of the Greek Empire, one fourth of the Greek Empire. This Syrian ruler came, and uh, he didn't decimate the the uh, uh, the temple. He didn't destroy the temple. He didn't take down any walls. He didn't do anything like that. But he he desecrated it in the sense that he set a, an idol figure up in the holy of holies, and he uh, he sacrificed a sow on the altar. And and um, sprinkled the the blood or the 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 serum from the sow all over the inside of the temple of the Jews, and he uh, that was called an abomination that makes desolate. There was a specific kind of religious word, and uh, no Gentile emperor ever did that. There were Gentile emperors who took over the city of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the city of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar went in and took away the implements of the temple and and destroyed the temple, but he didn't desecrate it. You see, that's a different action. That's a religious action. But Antiochus Epiphanes uh, did do that action, and this future Roman leader will also do the same thing. That's how we get the definition is because now we can look back in our in the history of the Jewish people and we can see this uh, this Syrian from the Greek Empire that he did this once. And now this next guy is going to do uh, the same thing, somehow mirroring this same uh, desecration, this same uh, uh, sort of abomination uh, in a religious sense of setting himself up as an idol in the temple, the holy of holies. This is, this is uh, as far as I can tell in the Bible, this is only the second time this is going to happen. And uh, the first time has happened already, so we have a picture of what this is going to look like in the future. And this marks this marks the middle of this week. Now, notice uh, that he talked about this, the, uh, the seven weeks and the 62 weeks. We don't know what marked that, uh, that division between those two. And because we don't know, then we, we just give it a label as the first 69 weeks, even though uh, the scripture here doesn't actually call it that. But since we don't know anything else to call it, and we don't, we, we've not been given an exact marker for that, then we call it the first 69 weeks. But this last 70 weeks, 
The 70th week, as what I'm trying to say, is uh, is something else. And in this last three and a half years is gross because that means three and a half years, a, this Gentile tyrant takes over the, whatever structure that the Jewish people have erected in order to do their worship, and he takes it over and puts himself in in there as the one to be worshipped as the Yahweh of Israel, as the Elohim of Scripture. And uh, that what makes it an abomination that makes desolate. And so uh, uh, that last three and a half years is what uh, Jesus himself calls uh, calls it the great tribulation. He calls the the uh, the first uh, the entire uh, seven year period as being the tribulation. But that last three and a half years is the great tribulation, and it was it was. Um, talked about earlier in chapter 7 verse 25 when he says a time times and a half a time that those were three and a half years but they're prophetic years they're not calendar years according to our calendar that we are accustomed to today they're prophetic years according to the prophetic structure of scriptures so uh, time times and a half a time is equal to three and a half years. Uh, it also is the same as 1260 days. It's also the same as 42 months. And uh, it is completely consistent throughout prophetic scriptures of how this is calculated. So it's not related to any Jewish calendar per se. It's not related to any Gentile calendar per se. It's not the Mayan calendar. It's not the Julian calendar. This is something else. This is the calculation of the prophetic scriptures. And that means that uh, that this is one half of a week of years, three and a half years, 42 months, 1260 days. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 22, he says, unless those days had been cut short. And he's not talking about the fact that, that these days were shorter days, but he's talking about the fact that, the, that uh, these, these days have a timetable to them. They have a limitation to them. God doesn't just let these three and a half year events here just play out on their own. He has a scheme and a plan of his own that at, that, uh, at the end of that that last three and a half years, something dramatic is going to happen, and that is when Jesus returns uh, to this earth. And he calls this um, the one who makes desolate even until complete destruction. One is, is that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. In other words, what's the judgment against this one who makes desolate? The, the Jewish people would have called him Armius. In the New Testament, he's called Antichrist. But regardless of what name you give this person, this is a this is an abomination that he commits. And guess what? His judgment will be an equal amount of abomination and a desolation to him personally. It's like God takes this personally against him and uh, will judge him. And that's what uh, Gabriel wants to leave with Daniel, that God does not leave this guy without his own individual judgment before be because of his violation of the holy of holies in the Jewish temple thank you father for these words today give us wisdom and discernment of how to look at the past 
through the lens of your words. Give us wisdom and discernment to look at our present through the lens of your words and through the lens we also perceive what you are going to do in the future. We anticipate that. We, uh, we look for those things that, that give us hints uh, that things are changing, that things may be wrapping up. But we know that no one knows the day or the time. We just trust in you that we can be ready, we can be prepared, we can have our hearts straight before you so that we know that Jesus died for our sins, he rose again from the grave, and he sent us the gift of eternal life. We pray, Father, that as we place our faith in him, we look forward to his return. We look forward for him to come back and make all the wrongs right, to judge all the wrongs and make righteousness prevail, to make a kingdom of righteousness on this earth as he takes the throne. We just anticipate that. We eagerly wait for his appearance. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again next time for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.